listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. This is the fifth and final Sunday. The lectionary has us working our way through Paul's letter to the Galatians. This evening, we're basically dealing with Paul's closing words to those Galatian church communities. Now, he's packed a good deal into this relatively short letter, much of it having to do with the matter of the full inclusion of Gentile Christians as Gentiles. No need to convert to Judaism to be a follower of Jesus. He's argued that all the way through. And here, as he draws it all to a close, he brings it home in a a blunt yet strangely poetic way. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, he says, but a new creation is everything. Gentile Christian or Jewish Christian, that's not a distinction that, that actually means anything anymore, for a new creation is everything. For those who will follow this rule, Paul writes, meaning those who get this vision, get this new way of seeing, peace be upon them, and mercy and upon the Israel of God. It's what he's been getting at over the course of the whole letter, that in Christ Jesus, God is indeed doing a whole new thing. To use a rather fashionable word, There is a whole new paradigm here in which those old distinctions, patterns, and practices have all been shown to be insufficient. A new creation is everything. And that new creation is brought about as a wildly audacious and free gift. Yet for all that, Paul, he's a realist. He knows that people remain people and that as such they'll make a great grand job of missing the point. It was then as it is now. And forgive me to use a metaphor that is hopelessly tied to this current age. It was then as it is now so easy to keep working with the familiar old default settings preferring them to a complete wiping of the computer hard drive and the installation of a whole new operating system. And so, with those old default settings still at work in them, they wondered, they wondered, if even though in Christ there is no longer Jew or Greek, Jew or Gentile, isn't circumcising our male children still the proper thing to do? And really, really, shouldn't they meaning the Gentiles, shouldn't they give up eating the meat of those filthy pigs? Or how about from the other side? Something Paul doesn't actually take up in Galatians. But the other side, the default settings of the Gentiles. Don't you miss having those old gods, especially the kind of the messy, the reprobate ones, don't you miss having them to blame when things go wrong? And really, is there any harm in making the odd offering to one of them just to kind of hedge our bets? Paul doesn't raise that, but, but surely amongst Gentile new believers, 
they had those old default settings. Well, Paul might say in his new paradigm, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Or as he writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Everything has become new. So yeah, you, you, you can drop your fixation on those old laws, dietary codes and so on. And yeah, you can't kind of go back to the old gods when it's convenient. It's all become new. Again, with some apologies for pressing this image too hard, the computer's hard drive has been wiped clean. And you have no business trying to get some computer geek to come over and recover all of your old files. They're gone. Again, he's a realist, our Paul. So he knows that the communities to which he writes are filled with those real, living, breathing human beings. So... As he draws his letter to a close, he begins by offering some very sane and very sage pastoral counsel. My friends, he writes, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Two things. First of all, Ours is a culture that pays lip service to live and let live, a kind of an approach in which we tend to think that it's not right to delve too, too much into someone else's business. Yet ours is also a culture that has elevated gossip to a kind of an art and which quite happily exposes the lives of celebrities and politicians to public scrutiny beyond the supermarket tabloids and the endless online musings, even gossip that is little more than a fabrication can cut you or cut me like the sharpest of knives. So what is it? Live and let live, but we're going to talk about it behind your back. Now against this, Paul is brilliantly clear in his counsel to these church communities. If anyone is detected in a transgression, you catch the word detected. If anyone seems to be getting in some kind of trouble and you can see it, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. You who have received the Spirit, which means something like you who have caught this wild new creation vision and reality, You should restore such a one, somebody who's getting in trouble. Restore them in a spirit of gentleness. It's a great phrase. A spirit of gentleness. Restore the person whose life is coming off the rails. Don't bracket them off, imagining that it is none of my business, all the while finding excuses to share the details of their lives with those other concerned people around you, maybe even in intercessory prayer. You know, we need to pray for Jack. He's drinking a lot. He's been staying out really late at night. Poor Jack. I'm afraid he might be having an affair, so we better pray for him. And for poor Jill, too, who must know that something's going wrong. Or... 
I'm worried about Esther. Dear Esther, did you hear what she's been doing? That's gutless gossip disguised as concerned prayer. Restore them, Paul says. Restore them and do it in a spirit of gentleness. You're aware something is going wrong for somebody. Somebody's kind of getting in trouble. It might be scary as all get out to actually go and talk with the person about it. Absolutely scary. Might you say the wrong thing? No doubt. But in a spirit of gentleness, that powerful phrase again, should you maybe talk to that person? Talk to them about what you're seeing unraveling in his or her life? Paul would say, you should. We all should. And I think he's also saying that to do that is far kinder than sort of fretting and gossiping. And then this. He writes, take care that you yourselves are not tempted. So this is in the context of kind of talking to somebody you're worried about. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Isn't that interesting? Sure, you all recall the news reports that were coming out of northern First Nations communities about teen suicide epidemics. Seemed like a kind of a contagion, right? One young person ended his or her life, and suddenly it became a a, a real possibility for all kinds of other young people in those communities. It is a kind of contagion. Same is true for the use of drugs like crystal meth or crack cocaine. Why does anyone ever think it's a good idea to try those? Do they think they'll be the one who can do it recreationally and just walk away? Or is it because someone they know, they like, they even trust is doing that drug? And so it becomes something real, something possible. It is a kind of a contagion. Same thing with sexual infidelity and even divorce. Basically bracketed off as beyond even considering by most people. Suddenly such things become possibilities when someone close to you begins to make that move. I know of church communities where, strangely, Such things became almost a kind of norm. We are, all of us, vulnerable. And so Paul says, when you're reaching out to somebody, take care of your own vulnerable self, too. Yet he still wants to say, bear one another's burdens. And in this you will fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. That's the fulfillment of the law of Christ. There's a risk in bearing one another's burdens, and he knows it. The novelist and theologian Charles Williams, who was with C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, one of the famous Oxford Inklings group, Charles Williams wrote at length about what he called substitution and exchange, believing that just as Christ bore our burdens in the whole of his life and his death, So we bear one another's burdens in our lives. Williams believes strongly that a real exchange of burdens happens, a real exchange. When one member of the body of Christ sits down with another member, hears their story, carries them in prayer, 
really supports and upholds them in the pain or the burden that they're bearing? Have you ever had the experience of listening to someone who's kind of in a bad way, listening to them as they share their own pain, and you watch as they walk away from that conversation a little bit lighter, yet you walk away from that conversation a little bit heavier. I know that experience, and it's what Charles Williams and St. Paul were talking about. Bear one another's burdens, even in and through the risk. Yet to this very sane pastoral counsel, Paul adds, for all must carry their own loads. Now, is that a contradiction? Bear one another's burdens, all must carry their own loads. Here the biblical scholar Charles Cusar comments, this mutuality, this bearing of one another's burdens only happens when those who help are aware of themselves, their own needs and weaknesses, and have not forgotten their own accountability. It's no contradiction, but rather a kind of a stunning paradox in which the members of the body are called to recognize our own needs and our own wounds and to do so from a place of deep accountability and self-awareness as thoroughly a new creation, even when you're feeling kind of dogged by the old. Well... You may have gathered over these five weeks, if you've been here through any or all of them, that I'm actually rather quite smitten by St. Paul. He sometimes gets written off, you know. Some see him as being hopelessly patriarchal, male-centered. Some see him as being kind of anti-body because he talks so often about the flesh and the spirit which is different, as I said in an earlier sermon. That's different from the body. But he's often seen as being anti-body and terribly unsettled by sex. Sometimes he's even seen as being the one who turned the gospel of Jesus into the religion of Christianity. I think, though, when you meet Paul and engage him in his own context, and then let it speak into ours, you find that he has very much to say across the ages. You are, you are a new creation. Even on those days when it is hard to feel it or to see it, you are a new creation. You are called, all of us, all of you, called to bear one another's burdens, and to do so in a way that restores in gentleness. In other words, makes new with gentleness and kindness, not filled with judgment. You are called, in short, to live trustfully and truthfully in a world that can be rather short on both trust and truth. He's a sane, wise, and sometimes fiery guide to life in the real world is our Paul. It has been good to meet him again and to walk with him in this letter. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
You've been listening to a podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For more information on the church or to offer your support for our ministries, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca.